0: This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of boutonniere deformity from the hand section on orthobullets.com. A boutonniere deformity is a zone three extensor tendon injury characterized by PIP flexion and DIP extension. Again, a boutonniere deformity is a zone three extensor tendon injury characterized by PIP flexion and DIP extension. As far as the mechanism of a boutonniere deformity, This injury is caused by rupture of the central slip over the PIP joint from laceration, traumatic avulsion, for example, in the setting of a jammed finger, and or capsular distension in rheumatoid arthritis. So again, the mechanism of injury in a boutonniere deformity is caused by the rupture of the central slip over the PIP joint from laceration, traumatic avulsion, like in the setting of a jammed finger, and capsular distension in rheumatoid arthritis. As far as the pathoanatomy in boutonniere deformity, the pathoanatomic sequence includes rupture of the central slip, attenuation of the triangular ligament, and palmar migration of the collateral bands and lateral bands. Starting with the rupture of the central slip, this causes the extrinsic extension mechanism from the EDC to be lost and prevents extension at the PIP joint. Again, rupture of the central slip causes the extrinsic extension mechanism from the EDC to be lost and prevents extension at the PIP joint. Next, attenuation of the triangular ligament causes the intrinsic muscles of the hand, that is the lumbricals, to act as flexors at the PIP joint. The lumbricals also extend the DIP joint without an opposing or balancing force. So again, the attenuation of the triangular ligament causes intrinsic muscles of the hand, that is the lumbricals, to act as flexors at the PIP joint, and keep in mind that the lumbricals also extend the DIP joint without an opposing or balancing force. Finally, in the setting of palmar migration of the collateral bands and lateral bands, the lumbricals pull becomes unopposed, pulling through the base of the distal phalanx and volar to the PIP. This causes PIP flexion and DIP extension. So again, in the setting of palmar migration of collateral bands and lateral bands, the lumbrical's pull becomes unopposed, pulling through the base of the distal phalanx and volar to the PIP. This causes PIP flexion and DIP extension. The pathoanatomy of boutonniere deformity can also involve bone deformity. Injury involves all three phalanges. The middle phalanx flexes on the proximal phalanx at the PIP joint and the distal phalanx is hyperextended relative to the middle phalanx at the DIP joint. Associated conditions with boutonniere deformities include rheumatoid arthritis and a pseudo boutonniere, which refers to PIP joint flexion contracture in the absence of DIP extension. Now let's go over some relevant anatomy. We'll specifically talk about the muscles, ligament anatomy, and the blood supply. The relevant muscles to know are the lumbrical muscles, which originate from the FDP and insert on the lateral bands. As far as ligament anatomy, the important points to know are the extensor hood and the central slip, the lateral bands, the triangular ligament, and the transverse retinacular ligament. As far as the extensor hood and central slip, the extrinsic extensor tendon joins the extensor hood at the MCP, the central portion of the extensor hood forms the central slip, and the central slip inserts onto the middle phalanx and acts to extend the PIP joint. So again, as far as the extensor hood and central slip, the extrinsic extensor tendon joins the extensor hood at the MCP, the central portion of the extensor hood forms the central slip, and the central slip inserts onto the middle phalanx and acts to extend the PIP joint. The lateral bands are formed from the deep head of the dorsal interossei combining with the volar interossei. The lateral bands insert onto the base of the distal phalanx to extend the DIP joint. So again, the lateral bands are formed from the deep head of the dorsal interossei combining with the volar interossei, and the lateral bands insert onto the base of the distal phalanx to extend the DIP joint. The triangular ligament spans the two lateral bands, preventing them from subluxing volarly. Again, the triangular ligament spans the two lateral bands, preventing them from subluxing volarly. Finally, the transverse retinacular ligament prevents dorsal subluxation of the lateral bands. Again, the transverse retinacular ligament prevents dorsal subluxation of the lateral bands. With respect to blood supply, the interosseous muscles receive blood from vessels formed by a combination of the deep palmar arch and the ulnar artery. As far as the presentation of a boutonniere deformity, on physical exam, patients may have a deformity characterized by PIP flexion and DIP extension. Elson's test is the most reliable way to diagnose a central slip injury before the deformity is evident. And to do this, you will bend the PIP 90 degrees over the edge of a table and extend the middle phalanx against resistance. In the presence of a central slip injury, there will be weak PIP extension, and the DIP will go rigid. So again, in the presence of a central slip injury, there will be weak PIP extension, and the DIP will go rigid. In the absence of central slip injury, the DIP remains floppy because the extension force is now placed entirely on maintaining extension of the PIP joint and the lateral bands are not activated. As far as imaging, radiographs are not required in the evaluation and treatment of boutonniere deformity. Treatment of a boutonniere deformity can be non-operative or operative. Non-operative management involves splinting the PIP joint in full extension for 6 weeks. This is indicated for acute closed injuries, which are defined as less than 4 weeks old. As far as the technique, you should encourage active DIP extension and flexion in the splint to avoid contraction of the oblique retinacular ligament. This has been a tested point on previous exams, so I'll say it again. With non-operative management, you should encourage patients to do active DIP extension and flexion in the splint to avoid contraction of the oblique retinacular ligament. Another technique can be complete part-time splinting for an additional 4-6 to six weeks. Operative options in the setting of a boutonniere deformity include primary central band repair, lateral band relocation versus terminal tendon tenotomy versus tendon reconstruction, and PIP arthrodesis. Indications for a primary central band repair include acute displaced avulsion fractures in which proximal MP avulsion is seen on x-ray, and it's also indicated in the setting of an open wound that needs an irrigation and debridement. Lateral band relocation versus terminal tendon tenotomy versus tendon reconstruction is indicated in chronic injuries after full range of motion is obtained with therapy or surgical release. As far as the technique, terminal tendon tenotomy is typically done with a modified fowler or dolphin tenotomy, never a central slip tenotomy. Secondary tendon reconstruction can involve a tendon graft, a Littler or a Maytev procedure. And finally, a triangular ligament reconstruction can also be done. A PIP arthrodesis is indicated in rheumatoid patients and in the setting of a painful, stiff, and arthritic PIP joint. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. The first question reads, Chronic injury to what anatomic structure can lead to a boutonniere deformity of the finger? And the choices are 1. Terminal extensor tendon, 2. Sagittal band, 3. Volar plate, 4. Flexor digitorum profundus tendon insertion, and 5. Central slip of the extensor tendon. The correct answer to this question is 5. Central slip of the extensor tendon. So rupture of the central slip of the extensor tendon and subsequent subluxation of the lateral bands leads to a boutonniere deformity, which is characterized by PIP flexion and DIP extension. Central slip injuries can be caused by a laceration or traumatic avulsion. Imitami et al. treated a series of central slip injuries associated with attachment fractures successfully with open reduction internal fixation. As stated by Tuttle et al., rupture of the terminal extensor tendon leads to a mallet finger, Sagittal band injury can lead to subluxation of the extensor tendon at the level of the MCP joint. Chronic volar plate injuries can lead to swan neck deformities. An avulsion of the FTP insertion leads to a jersey finger. And moving on to the final question, a 54-year-old female presents with a hand deformity. A surgical procedure is being considered that relocates the lateral bands dorsally to counteract the pathophysiology of the deformity which of the following deformities does this patient most likely have? And the choices are 1. Boutonniere finger deformity, 2. Lumbrical plus finger deformity, 3. Mallet finger deformity, 4. Jersey finger deformity, and 5. Swan neck finger deformity. The correct answer to this question is 1. Boutonniere finger deformity. So near deformity is characterized with the PIP in flexion and the DIP in hyperextension. It is caused by central slip rupture or attenuation, secondary to capsular distension, for example, rheumatoid arthritis, laceration, or traumatic disruption. Volar subluxation of the lateral bands due to incompetence or disruption of the triangular ligaments leads to increased deformity as the lateral bands become flexors of the PIP. Relocation of the lateral bands to their original dorsal position to counteract the pathophysiology of the deformity is an option for patients that have an approximately 40 degree active flexion contracture but full passive extension. That's all for this review about boutonniere deformity. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education.